Good morning, Rock Bible Church. Uh, I'm excited to be up here today. So you may be wondering, this guy does not look like Scott Berglund, and that's a fact. A little, I'm younger than him, so younger than him. <laughs> so he, this is being recorded. I know we, we have to wipe that Denise from it. He, uh, he's right now over at a men's retreat, so he's speaking at a men's retreat, and he texted me a few weeks ago and said, Nick, would you mind sharing up there? And I'm like, I've done Bible studies before, all sorts of stuff. I've never actually preached in front of a service. I was like, you know what, I'll take it as God saying I should go try something here. And so here I am today to uh, talk with you. So let me, uh, before we begin with that, let me say, wasn't the worship fantastic? So thank you all. It was great. Um, also, this weekend uh, was Veterans Day. And uh, sort of a little background of myself. So I have I work in the software industry, but I'm also in the U.S. Army Reserve, so I'm a major in the Army Reserves, and um, thank you. And, you know, the veterans mean a lot in that sense, so I would like to be able to honor those who have, if you have served, you've had a brother or sister or a grandparent have served, you can stand for a second so we can recognize. I know some of you, so you know, I know who some of you are. <laughs> okay. Thank you for your service. So now let me introduce myself a little bit. Um, do you mind putting the first picture up? So this, I moved to California. So I've been in Cal I lived in California a couple times. I lived in California. I was born here, moved back here when I was in elementary school, third time as an adult. And this is when we moved here in 2015 from Nashville, Tennessee. And this is, we, we just moved here. We went to Fisherman's Wharf. Now my kids up there are probably embarrassed at the top. Um, so that's my, uh, you can see myself, my wife, Hannah, who's out in the, which is on the front row, which we're normally in the back row, back where Matt's at back there. So she's up at the front row. I did learn, by the way, by sitting in the front row, I learned one thing at least. One is I didn't realize James takes his shoes off and puts them there. And place, I can't see that from the back row. So I learned something from, so if you want to learn something, come to the front row. You can learn all sorts of new things. So anyway, that's us in 2015. My kids, I think, I think Eli in the purple is 10. Mike is nine. I'm not going to say the age of my wife um, on that side. So let's go fast forward to the next photo. And so this is, we're actually visiting Mark Heitzman uh, up in Idaho really recently. So this is a recent photo. My kid's much older now. Um, Eli, you saw him up here playing the guitar. He leads worship once in a while. Uh, Micah is a senior in high school on the other side. You see him on the drums occasionally. Um, my wife hasn't aged a bit, looks just as beautiful. And you see, now you see me, I got a lot more gray hair now, a lot more gray hair in this picture. So I have certainly uh, aged a bunch here. So excited to be here. Do you mind playing the next clip real quick?
Oh, man, I love those things. And it's going to tie into what we're talking about today. So a lot, we're going to be talking about 2 John, and a lot about 2 John is around truth and love and obedience. And it's interesting when you look at the truth from a child's perspective, right, you look at that, they either give you the blunt, honest truth, like when they're really young, they'll tell you, like, Dad, you've gained a little bit of weight. They're not shy about it. They don't say, you know, you're, 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 you look all right, Dad. No, no, you're getting a little bit of a belly. They call it out. But they also get sometimes misinformed truth. That things are not necessary, it's how they perceive, what the perception is, what they, what they see it as. So kids have certainly different, uh, you know, perceptions of that. We look at today's world, we look at social media. It's quite the challenge of the truth. It used to be, what, if you, you would used to joke around, if it's on the internet, it is, tr- it is therefore can't be true. It's on the internet, or it is true, you go either side. Social media has really changed what truth is for people. A lot of people get their news now from social media. It could be Twitter, I guess it's called X now. You have Facebook. You have, um, I know the kids up there will probably name a, a bazillion of them, Instagram. And you just keep on going on and on and on on different types of social media out there. And what is true and what is not is very difficult for a lot of people to see in this world, in this world that we live in. They, even on the mainstream media, we see challenges of what is the truth and what is not. What is reality? And it's being even pushed in, in other areas. Actually, you know what? Why don't we, can you play that other one from Scott, the message real quick from Scott? This is Scott Burton on uh, Manager Street. And I wanted to let you guys know, Bryce, go 49ers and beat the Jags, baby. I, I don't know how, where that, that, that one came from, Bryce. I don't know. Uh, so obviously that's AI, right? So AI itself, that was not truly Scott saying that. So Scott doesn't have to worry for me. He said, Nick will never be up here again. Uh, AI has really blurred the world of the truth as well. In this world, what is truth? There are scams that go on today where they're actually having AI robots call family members, and when they call them, it's like a ransom call. You think your loved one's in trouble, and they use AI to be able to swindle you out of money. It's quite the challenge. So truth is hard. There's actually a poll in, in, uh, in 2021 in the Washington Post. Get this. 54% of Americans, 54% of Americans believe the truth is subjective. It is subjective. It is a feeling. It's what you feel like. So if I feel like that's the truth, that is the truth. It is not absolute. There is no absolute right or wrong. It's what you feel like. And, and it, it reminds me, though, of some things. So we remember growing up, we had certain things we thought were truths. Those of you, who drinks coffee in here? I'm assuming a bunch of you drink coffee. Okay, you've probably been heard what coffee is harmful for a long time. They said it was harmful, but now they said, you know what? This actually has some potential praise benefits for us that, that coffee has. You know, I'm not a coffee drinker, by the way. Um, has some pr- uh, potential health benefits. Eggs, for a long time, we thought it was bad for you for cholesterol. Well, research now shows it actually is not it, how your liver and stuff digest it. It's not that bad for you, and it's also a good source of protein. And then people used to believe the earth was flat, right? Now, we're obviously round. Um, also, uh, one interesting one was, uh, do you guys remember Popeye the Sailor Man? Do you remember that? So back in the 30s when the character was created, so what is Popeye known for? Spinach. spinach. And what does he do when he takes spinach? Gets strong. So this comes from the late 1800s when a German chemist was studying the iron nutrition um, in spinach. And he actually made an error. Their team made an error and moved the decimal point over by one. So it made it a 10-factor increase of what they thought iron was. And so that became what, where Popeye became saying, hey, spinach with iron, 
So that misconception lasts for decades and decades. In reality, spinach has no more iron than like cabbage. But for a long time, it's been that way as a misconception. And one of my favorite ones, um, when I was growing up in school, I was always taught there were nine planets. Nine planets. Who wrote the nine planets, right? And then, my, you know, my kids go to school, and I sit there like, oh, no, Dad, there's eight planets. I said, what are you talking about? There's nine. Oh, no, no, Pluto is no longer considered a planet. I'm like, that's insane. It's always been a planet. No, no, it's now a dwarf planet. So we, we get these things that change and truths that change, right? And we're going to be talking today about God's truth, not this worldly truth. And so before I, I, I sort of dive in, and we're going to get into reading 2 John, let me give you some context of what the Apostle John is writing here. Uh, so during this time, the church was under constant Christian persecution. So we're talking in the eh, 70 to 100 uh, uh, year after Christ, so somewhere in that, in that time frame. Now, there were a lot of challenges, and you're going to see this, and you saw this actually in, in 1 John, and, and John is going to write it here in 2 John about the challenge of Gnosticism and what Gnosticism was causing in the church itself. And let me give you a background what Gnosticism is. What they do is they believe that the physical matter is evil, the physical matter is bad, and the spiritual is good. And they believe the supreme God creator no way created the earth and things of the earth in the physical body. And so they did not have that belief. They believed only things that were spiritual were good. At the same time, you had an offshoot of that called docetism, and it's from the Greek word dikeo, which means to seem or to appear. And what they believed as an offshoot, which was that Jesus, when he, he was not, in their mind, fully human. He never came to be fully human. What he did, he was basically almost like a spiritual phantom. A, a ghost, an apparition, a hologram. And so that's what their uh, beliefs were, uh, that he was never a real human being. So I just wanted to set up that context as, as John is writing here in Second John. And so now with that, let's dive in to the first verse. Okay, so the el- first, the elder to the elect lady and her children. I'm going to pause there for a second. The elder is the apostle John. Now, some people try to debate that saying it's not. Most scholars say this is for sure what John's writing. It's very distinctual of how John writes, how he actually writes. You'll notice that with a lot of love and truth, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, it also, he was also the la- last living apostle, right? So he is the elder of the church, so it goes right with it. And then it also says, to the elect lady and her children. And so here also, some scholars believe the elect lady and her children are actually a lady and, and, and children, most, though, believe that this is talking to the church and her congregation, to the church and her congregation. But either way, when you read this letter, it's not going to change the outcome or the meaning. Don't get caught up in that small, in, on that piece. For me, it's going to be the, I'm going to continue with it being the church and her children, what most scholars believe it is. So it goes, elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth. Two, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. So now let's talk about the truth first real quick. The truth, right, that is about Jesus and what Jesus has done. It's almost in a way synonym for a gospel, right? It is the truth in Christ. It's John's love is in the truth. John's love is in Christ. He writes a lot about love in Christ and what Christ has said in, a, in the gospel of John and also in 1 John. And also one key word here, you may notice, what does it say, what does it say at the end there of two? 
What's that word? Forever. That's an important part. That's really important, right? It's, it's unlike the worldly truth, John says our truth is forever. It does not, it, it ends, the truth of this world is here. The truth of God is for eternity. So it's a, it's a comforting uh, thought for us. And in 1 John 5.11, it says this, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Let's go to three. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and in love. Now, amen, right? The, the part, so Scott always says this, right? He says, if the word is repeating, what should we do? Pay attention to it, right? How, so now we, you, you've seen one word repeated quite a bit, right? We have the word truth. And it, so I'll just recap. Whom I love in truth. Who know the truth? Because of the truth, Jesus Christ, the Father, Son, in truth. So we see the word truth in four times in the first three verses of 2 John, right? So, and by the way, he says the word truth 37 times in the New Testament itself. And we can take none other than Jesus' own words, and I know you know this verse, in John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, Jesus, and the truth. This is about Jesus. And this is that welcome greeting, right? He's, you can tell by this writing, he is welcome. This is written to Christians, right? This is written to the Christian church. That's who he's speaking to. He's speaking to people who are, who are in Christ, who love Christ. That's who he's talking to. Now, let's go to four. I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. Now, here, take away I rejoiced greatly. That is a, a three, that, that feeling that, John, that the Apostle John is having, that is like equivalent to your son, your daughter, a close family member accepting Christ. It is, it, is a, it is an excitement and a joy that John is feeling there. And he's sharing that with the church itself at that same time, right? So he is, his joy is specific relating to the children who are walking, right, walking in the truth. And by the way, that word walking is really, really important. It does not say that they're sitting in the truth or lying in the truth because what happens when I'm walking? Where am I going? I'm, I'm going someplace. I'm heading towards it, right? I'm continuously moving to Christ, continually moving to his commandments, right? It's not just sitting still and waiting. It's, so it's a really important action that's stressed there, walking in the truth. Now, this verse is balanced by another word. I rejoice greatly to find doesn't say all. It says some. So this starts getting to the point of the letter. I rejoice greatly, greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. So not all and some. So this is sort of like that precursor to we're going to get to the heart of the letter. Let's go to five, please. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Now it says, now I ask you, in some translations that's changed to, I plead with you. It's an emphatic ask from John. This is not like a casual ask, like, hey, can you do something for me? He's being very emphatic to the church, the dear lady, to the church that he's writing to. Here. And so, and what I, and I, and I think this is, you know, God, uh, uh, God's funny, and Scott talks about that. And to me, this is actually humorous here. Uh, when he says, hey, 
Knucklehead, you've known this from the beginning. Like, this is not a new concept for you, that you love one another. And it reminds me of, of a time when I was, uh, man, I was, this is late 80s. Uh, so for the ones of you who were born in the late 70s, they played Nintendo, right? They played Nintendo. And at the time, typically you only had usually one TV, maybe two if lucky, today, and then one game station. We did not have like three, you didn't have like an Xbox, a PlayStation, everybody had their own thing. You had one house and you had a Nintendo. Um, you had no other, you didn't have like three versions of it. And I remember, and I, I was probably then, like I said, nine or 10 at the time, my younger brother was like six. And what's the number one rule of the house when you have a sibling and you have a share? You gotta share, right? Your parents would say, you know that you need to go share. And so what I would do, I'd play like Super Mario Brothers and you're, you're like in World 4 and things are rocking and going well and you're like, that, oh, I got killed by a donkey. <laughs> Then you're like, okay, I'm going to do it again. I can make it. My little brother behind me is like, hey, Nick, can I play? No, just one more time. Go and do it. Well, that second time. Then my little brother goes upstairs and says what to my mom? Nick, Nick's not sharing. And then next thing you know, I hear my mom going down the stairs. And you're like, okay, I, I'm, uh, okay, yeah, 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 you can play now because I hear her coming down the thing. And then she would tell me exactly what this is. You know the command I gave you. I said you must share. Now my mom would punish me right away and say, now you're grounded. But, 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 but you, you must share, right? It's a command that I knew. She, had, she didn't have to go to, you already know better than this. And that's what, that's what he, John's saying here. Like, you know better. You know from the beginning that you need to love one another. This is, this is a fundamental teaching that we've known from Christ, right? This is fundamental. And it, this is recent in terms of love one another, in terms of Christ. Now, it's not recent from the Old Testament. Right? When we think about the Ten Commandments, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. And so it's just repeating. You know better than this. And John, at the same time, though, is encouraging them to make sure they remind, remind them. Why to remind? We're human. We mess up a lot. Right? Sometimes those reminders are important. He's reminding them. And let's go to six. And this is love. So now he's getting to like the definition of it. Right? It said, hey, you need to love one another. What is that? And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment. Just as you have heard from the beginning, repeat it now twice. This is what you heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. So here, John is emphasizing the commandment to walk in obedience to God's commandment is not new again, right? He's, he's repeating it. It's a part of the Christian message from the beginning. And he's really tying here that love in truth, right? So you walk according to his commands is love, right? He's saying, I walk in his commands, that's love. So love and truth are crucial and tied together here. Right, so you can have a, if you have a church that only teaches the truth, that's all they do, and they don't have any love, they don't show any love, that's a church that's going to die. That is not church. By the other side of it, right, so I'll say the truth is over here, and if I have love, and if all we do over here is show love, right, but we don't do basic anything on the truth that we know that's in God's word, we're going to have, we may have a church that grows big because people love to hear that like everything's going to be all right, there is no consequence to anything, but they're lost, right? They need love and truth are a combination package. That's what John is saying. It's a combination here, and they have to come together. Otherwise, you're going to have a path to destruction. They're together. Let's go to seven. So, for many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. 
It's just strong words. And this is actually getting to where John is transitioning now to sort of sets up the letter, and now he's transitioning to the very serious portion uh, for the church in this Christian community, right? So the verse starts out by saying, many deceivers have gone gone out into the world. These deceivers are individuals or groups hold false beliefs or teachings. And in 1 John 4, 2, it says, by this you know the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Now, it also says on your screen, Jesus Christ in the flesh. Remember earlier on when I gave you that context, I set it up. What John here is warning them is around those folks who are coming in who are teaching like docetism and saying, hey, Jesus never came in the, in the, fle- in the flesh. He was never fully human, fully divine. And that's the warning that he's be giving him right here. He said, those are false teachers. They are not teaching about Jesus Christ. They are deceivers. They're deceiving you, right? And they are antichrist. They're against God. And that's the warning that he's giving it to them. So it's a very serious warning that if it's emphasize, he's emphasizing the seriousness of false teachings here. Let's go to eight. Watch yourself so that you may not lose what you have worked for, but may win a full reward. So John here this is, you know, when I, when I read this, and, and to me, this is a warning signal, right? Watch yourself. I, I didn't read this as a casual, like, hey, watch yourself. This is like, watch yourself. Like, this is a bright, flashing warning to the church right now so that you may not lose what you have worked for, right? Especially, you know, for us as believers in, an, in, in this time, you had the young gospel of Christ, right? Early church tradition, and if you're letting in people who are claiming to be Christ believers into the church and not teaching what is doctrine, what is not in the Bible, what is not in the Gospels, that is the warning, right? So you have churches who are claimed to be Christian churches. And if they're not teaching, what's out of here? That's the warning he's giving you. Those are false teachings. They will deceive you as a church. They will deceive others. And it creates confusion out in the world and ruins the message, so you may lose what you have worked for, but may, win, but may win a full reward. Nine, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked ways. This is a strong message, but I do believe context is important here. So remember, he's writing to the church at the time of Asia Minor. That's where he's writing it to, right? And and remember at this time, the churches are house churches. These are house churches. And if if you have people who are claiming coming into your house that... You believe you know Jesus. You're like, here's, here's what Jesus is. Jesus is fully divine, fully human. He died on the cross for our sins. This is Jesus. At the same time, you're bringing other people into your house to go teach in the congregation or saying Jesus was not in the flesh. And that's the warning that he's saying. He said, you cannot have both. You can't have both of those. That's not going to bring unity in your church. It's going to cause division in your church, and that's the warning. And that's the danger for the church today. It's the same danger, right? We have... We, we have different, there's different faiths and different beliefs, and some believe that we can just live under one biggie on happy umbrella without the truth. We just have love. Just show love. We don't need the truth. It doesn't matter who you think Jesus is. We just love. We have a God. That's the warning he's saying. The bottom line is Jesus 
is who he says he is. And we see this in other religions as well, where they teach false teachings about Christ. False teachings. And what John is saying, and he says it over and over again about the truth of Christ. Jesus is the Son of God who came in the flesh. He is God himself incarnate. He died on the cross for our sins. There is no one equal to him. He is superior to everyone and everyone in the world. That is the Christ that he's talking about. So he's saying, don't pretend to be a Christ church, yet entertain false teachings. And then we quickly transition to 12, by the way, that 2 John, second shortest book in the Bible, third is right behind it. Thanks, God, on <laughs> that side. Uh, Though I, I much write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. Elect sister is the, the church, right? And God's people said, Amen. So we're going to talk about truth and love in your Christian walk. So we'll start with the gospel truth is eternal and unchanging. So unlike, you know, I was talking about before, right? Unlike the fluctuating truths of society where the gospel offers and the gospel itself offers an unchanging truth in this world. So the perceptions and societal norms continue to evolve, but the truth of the gospel is centered on Jesus Christ, on his life, his teachings, his death, his resurrection, always remain constant. And you can be comforted in that when this world that's ever-changing, and it could be frustrating, it could be heartbreaking, but you know that Christ is unchanging. God is unchanging. And at the same time, you know, the sand, that, that, that truth that we know here is always, feels like it's sort of shifting under sands of our feet, right? It's, a, it's always shifting, the gospel is a constant beacon. It is the societal truths are like the weather. It, it, I mean, heck, in Pleasanton, you look at the weather one day, they're like, hey, it's going to rain three days from now. The next thing you know, it's like 85 degrees and really hot. It changes all the time. It's unpredictable. God is not. What is accepted as fact today in this world could be discarded tomorrow. And I gave you some examples early on, if you remember, right? Our cultural landscape is dotted with examples of the scientific paradigms overturned, historical perspectives overwritten. Moral standards, moral standards are changed and subjects to the, the tides of opinions today. But amidst these change, we know one thing still, the truth of the gospel endures forever. And why does that? The truth does not evolve with God because it's rooted in the very nature of God himself. That's why our truth doesn't change. He is the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. That is, the gospel truth is eternal and unchanging. Second one, love and obedience are inseparable in the Christian walk. Last week, Scott talked about in a very similar topic um, in there, and I actually told my wife, who's on the front row, thank you for being there, Hannah. <laughs> she is totally like, okay, I should be in the back row. She always sits in the back with me, and she's like, I don't feel comfortable in there. But I was actually, it was funny, because I was telling her when, when Scott was up there, I was like, I, I flipped her to my, one of my, my fill-in notes. I said, ah, Scott stole my fill-in note. Oh, man, I got to change it. I'm like, I'm not changing. I'm keeping it the same. So I will say, I, I did have it. I, I'm going to claim I had it first before Scott, but um, that's all right. Um, but, you know, here, it, John, as he did last week within, with the end of 1 John, is continuing the same theme of love and obedience. In 1 John 5, 2, you re- might remember this. For this is the love of God, that we keep his 
commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome, right? So John is making it clear, right? He made it clear that love is more than a feeling, right? It's an action that's following God's commandments. You're walking in his commands. It is, it is a continued action. When we, it gets back to it. When you love somebody, right, you're going to have actions. It's, and if you, you know, when you first, if you are up there and you're a young gentleman or young lady, right, and you're, you, you first fall in love, uh, it gets a little lax later on. When you first fall in love, you tend to do things, why? Because you love them, right? In reality, we do that all the time for our spouses as well, right, or, or parents or whatever, like that, that person that you love in your life, right? Like my, my wife, she'll ask me to go do something. I may not want to do it, but I do it because I love her. So those actions should come out of love. He's saying you can't just have the love without the actions. You need to have the love. You have to walk in what God's commands were. And it's the song, by the way, that we sang up uh, earlier, it said, be thou my wisdom, thou my true word, right? God is the ultimate guide and source of wisdom for us, what we're going to do with his commandments. And when John said it originally, he said, if you remember, I said, I'll get back to this. He said, we've known this from the beginning, right? And, I, and he, they've known it obviously from Christ and what happened with Christ, but they also knew it from the Ten Commandments. And really, these command, the Ten Commandments are a summary of how to love. When you look at the Ten Commandments, they're a summary of how to love. Let me, I'll give you an example, right? So if you love God, you will have no other gods before me. If you love God, you will not worship idols. And on the other hand, if you love others, you are not going to kill others. You are not going to lie against them. And so really, when you look at the commandments that was from the beginning, they are simply ways to define how you love God and how you love each other. It's, very, it's, it's laid out that way in the Ten Commandments. Now, what are ways for us to walk in His commandments? How do we walk in His commandments? Now, this will be the, as Scott says, the interactive portion of, of today here. Uh, the first one, I'll give you the easy one, right? This is this one, right? Read God's Word, right? That's like the number one, uh, you know, if I do, what's it, family, is it family feud? The survey says, right? Family feud. This is number one answer on the board right here, right? We, we make a habit of, of reading the Bible daily to understand God's command. How do we walk in His commands if we're not reading the Bible and learning His teaching? So I gave you one. What's another way we can walk in His commands? Do what it says. Volunteering, I got that one. Serving others. Serving others, right? Demonstrating God's love through the acts of service and charity. That's critically important. So every time, I'm going to get on a soapbox for a second. Thanks for saying that. (laughs) Um, So I'll deviate just for a second. Uh, Serving is critically important, and it's critically important in a church that we have service. And every time we serve, no matter what, is it, you know, putting in chairs, donuts, worship team, music, uh, kitchen, playing, whatever you do, it's all going to serve the body of Christ. And everything we do, no matter how big or how small, right, our job is to share the gospel of Christ. And we're making it available to go be able to share that gospel of Jesus Christ with everybody. And so when you go and help the church, you're helping, even if you may be uncomfortable spreading the gospel, by you just doing that, you're doing the, giving that capability of God. Plus, God has given us skills, abilities that we need to use for Him. We don't want to waste those skills. We don't want to bury our talents like the parable. We got to use our talents to further the kingdom of God. He gave us skills. We have to know what they are so we can use them and apply them. And so I will challenge up here, I'll, ch- you know, it's really important for me as a man that men serve in the church, 
right? Men need to serve in the church. I see a lot of women do a lot of things, and thank you, women. Us as men have a responsibility as well to serve in this church, and what I mean by that, for certainly we're here on Sundays, thank you, but there's more than just coming on Sundays. We've got to be able to find a spot, and I challenge every man in this room, if you don't, Find a spot where God wants you to be at. Find your service. There's a spot. I promise you there's a spot. It could be going to go take, um, you know, food somewhere for something. It could be coming up here. You know, we need help lifting very heavy things. You're like, hey, I can go do it. But find a spot of service where you can, God can use your skills and talents. Sorry, I went off, but thank you for sharing that. What's another? So we have reading the Bible. We have serving others. What's another one we can end up being able to waste? We can walk in his commandments. Pray. Engaging in regular prayer, right? We have to talk with God. We have to be able to talk with God. We have to have, I did have in here, by the way, church attendance. That still is critical, right? You need to be in church, participating in church services, learning about biblical teachings. It's critical. We got to be here in church. Scripture memorization, memorize scripture, fellowship. So when we have times of fellowship, fellowship with other believers, be part of a church. That's how we're going to walk in God's commandments. So love and obedience are inseparable in that Christian walk, walk with God. Third thing, protect the truth. So now we as believers are cautioned to remain vigilant against false teachings and deceivers who deny fundamental truths of the Christian faith, such as, such as what John was saying, the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Jesus was fully divine and fully human, amen? He was not a spiritual apparition. He was not a ghost. He was not a hologram. He came in full human form. If he was not in fully human form, there's no cross. There's nothing. There's, he didn't suffer for anything. There was no suffering. He was fully human. And this is, you know, that, that discernment, right, of understanding spiritual teaching, you have to know the Bible. You have to be able to learn about the Bible. You have to study it so you can put yourself on safeguard of those things. And, and I talked about Gnosticism and Docetism. It may not be always perceived now as a prominent threat in our current context. But we do have deceivers who live, live on in every teacher who lie about God by preaching different forms of Jesus. They have different false gospels. I got three of them here, but I, I will add one more to it. Just for you, Doug. I'll add one more. Uh, you have the first one is the prosperity gospel Jesus. You guys know what the prosperity gospel Jesus is? Just wants you to be happy, wealthy, and healthy. That's all the G that's the Jesus. That's the prosperity Jesus. Then you have the political Jesus. So the political Jesus is one who just supports every line item on your political agenda and, the, and opposes everything the other side. Doesn't matter if you're left, right, don't care. Jesus just believes what I believe on my line. Then you have the good guy Jesus that's preached. That is one who did not atone for our sins. It's just, Jesus was a good example. He was out in the world. He was a good guy. May have been a prophet, but he's a good example. We should follow him. He's, he, he gives a good example, but he's not the Lord and Savior. And then I, this is my latest edition, right? Then you have the sports Jesus. <laughs> Where's Bryce at? Ah, there you go. I, I, I'll pick on you. No, just joking. You have the sports Jesus. That's the one where we say, Jesus only blesses our sports teams and everybody else, not so much. We pray for him every time. The 49ers are playing the Jags. 
But we need, to, we need to heed John's warning here, seriously though, right? For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. The word deceiver is really key there. That means if, if there's a deceiver, that means there is deception deceived. And when do you know you've been deceived? When do you know it? At the end. Otherwise, you weren't deceived. So you may think, you're like, you know what? I can't be deceived. I can't be conned. The problem is it happens all the time, and you don't know until after the fact, and you definitely don't want to know it after the fact when you have to go in front of God and you do not know who his son was. And so deception is really, really scary. It's actually very scary, right? The devil loves deception because we don't know what's happening to us. We think we're on the right path. We think we're on the, on the straight path, and we're walking towards God, and we're not and we're walking somewhere else. Deception to be deceived. That's scary. Let me give you, a, so we're talking about Veterans Day, I'll give you a military example real quick. So in the first Gulf War, when Saddam Hussein invaded uh, Kuwait, and we, had, we went from Desert Shield to Desert Storm, the, the U.S. and their allies, they had a long air, well, a short air war, and then we we're going to have a ground war. Well, part of that ground war they ha- we had Saudis, mainly, in the, US a- in the U.S., up on the border between Saudi Arabia and Kuwait. We also had ships in the Persian Gulf that were closing in at the same time on the beachhead. And so part of General Norman Schwarzkopf, who was leading that effort, was he wanted to have an act of deception to Saddam Hussein. And so what he did is, so Saddam Hussein saw that and said, oh my gosh, the, the U.S. and their allies are going to come with the Saudis leading it are going to go straight in. And so they dug in right on the border between Kuwait and uh, Saudi Arabia, dug in, trenched in, got themselves really deep because they had to protect themselves from the, uh, the bombings that were happening as well. So they got themselves deep. At the same time, they moved troops to the beachhead for potential invasion because we were feigning an attack. Well, what ended up, ended up happening between those two, when the real attack came, we moved forward, faked like we were going to attack that way. We swung the 101st Airborne around the side and, and some other French troops uh, on, uh, around the backside and so completely surrounded them. While they were thought we were attacking from the front and the beachhead, we were attacking them from their backside, right? So total deception, right? We do it in the military to destroy the enemy. The devil does it to destroy us and our relationship with God, right? We need to make sure, be aware of deception and what it can do. And so we need to watch out for deceivers. Now, how can we do some of those things? You think, look at Ephesians, putting on the full armor of God. You take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the worth of God, the truth, right? So we, the church body, must be vigilant against false teachings that deviate, deviate from biblical doctrines. Now, where did I put it? Oh, here it is. When I moved here from uh, Tennessee to California, I'm coming from the Bible Belt, right? Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm coming to California, San Francisco Bay Area, and I'm like, okay, which church, you know, are we, are we going to go to? And I got some recommendation of churches. One of those was Rock Bible Church, but I, I didn't know anything about uh, the biblical doctrine. I remember sitting in here listening to Scott preach, and then I, you know, right away I wanted to talk with him because I wanted to make sure, number one, we were going to be teaching out of this, and this is the Word of God. I did not want a church that just taught love over here with no biblical foundation of truth. And then one of the things he had at the time was this, 
the membership covenant. And I remember tasking him. I was like, hey, uh, uh, so I, one, I wanted to read it. And after I read it, I remember saying, hey, do I need to sign this? And he's like, yeah, we don't do that really. Just come Sundays. <laughs> Way back in 2015. But on here, this is what's really, really critically important. What does the church believe? And so, by the way, this is a call for you if you haven't been to the membership thing. Come join Scott. He will go through this. But what do we believe as a church? Here we go. We believe in biblical doctrines. For example, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Primary doctrines are defined clearly by the Scripture, and we will adhere to them. Secondary doctrines are less clear and can be influenced by preference or style. We will not take a position on issues not defined by Scripture. It's all done according to God's Word. So again, this is, this is how you protect yourself when you're going to, if you go to another church, looking at a church, know what they believe in. Be on guard yourself. Deceivers are out there, and you have to be on the watch, on the watch for them, right? So we need to make sure we uphold and teach sound doctrine. That's how we equip ourselves, right? We read the word of God. We have sound doctrine with the church. We have clear teachings from the church leadership about core tenets of the faith for our congregational health and spiritual well-being. And we act in love still, right? We still act in love, reflecting Christ's character in in interactions inside and outside the church. But remember that our goal is not, we have to protect the truth. We protect the truth, but we still do it with love, with grace and compassion, as Jesus has shown. So we protect the truth. And with that, I'll invite the uh, music worship team to come on stage here to continue on. I thank you for the opportunity to come up here and talk with you. Um, I really enjoyed it, and, and I pray it was a blessing. And so let me pray as they're coming up, and we'll get to some music. Uh, Lord God, we thank you for today. We thank you for second John, the Apostle John, and in your writing about you, God, and, and writing about your truth, your love, obedience, and protecting your truth, and what you've given us as that guidance, God. We just pray that uh, uh, we'll be able to apply this in our lives, and we just pray that you just be with us, God. And God, Lord, we just pray for this offering we're about to take. We just pray for your blessings on it. We pray that we apply it to the church to further your kingdom. In your son Jesus' name, amen. Uh, What a blessing. What a blessing. I I just want to give you a quick update on my father-in-law, Bill. I know you've been praying for it, so thank you for that prayer. Um, He's back at home. Amen. Amen. He went and got a haircut the other day, so it's like step one, get a haircut, got to look good after being in the hospital, but thank you for your prayers. Walk in the truth and love of Jesus Christ. Go with him. (laughs) Woo!